You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Wednesday, 15 February. We've got inflation data at 10 o'clock, expected 6.9%. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, we're going to be chatting with Rekunaru, portfolio manager, and I want that update from Telcom and also a touch on inflation from the US, 6.4%. Moving in the right direction, but above estimates. Red one Muller from Think Markets trading commodities instead of mining stocks and talking to ABSA. Impact of load shedding GDP, their take on inflation and rates. When do they start coming down? This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Uh, one year on the remote worker visa feels only a little less like a remote possibility. We still haven't got it, and expectation is that the average work-from-destination traveler could be spending 50000 a month every month. Business Day, SPA faces tough trading conditions in most markets. Performance is robust. Turnover increases 7.8% overall. Morning markets, U.S. was mixed. S&P down just a little, 0.03%. NASDAQ up 0.7%. Asia's red was Sydney off a percent and Tokyo 0.4% lower. Commodities red, gold 1,862. Brent 85.21. Platinum 9.33. And palladium 1,483. Those PGMs remain under pressure. Rand 17.93. Bitcoin 22,100. 10 cent trading down a third of a percent in the Hong Kong lunch break. And top 40 opening call uh, 200 points to the red. That is just over a quarter of a percent. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony Namathir Kanari, uh, Portfolio Manager at Anchor. Mika, appreciate the early morning time. Let's touch Telcom first. It was update for quarter ending uh, 31 December. The market certainly liked it a little bit more than it has some of their other updates, but we're still seeing EBITDA under pressure, although mobile doing okay and uh, OpenServe doing all right. Hi, this Armin. It's really great to be on the show. Uh, especially in the middle of what has been a very interesting uh, trading sessions. Um, as you've said, um, there's many ways to unpack those uh, results out of uh, Telcom. Um, a reminder that that trading statement, as you said, was for the third quarter for its uh, financial year end uh, 2023. Uh, but looking at the actual results themselves, um, really, uh, we would say fairly muted, um, mm-hmm. although definitely um, ahead of what the market was anticipating. Um, as you've said, just group revenue up 2.3%. Uh, while group earnings were down 13.5%. Out of its mobile business, the revenue was up, uh, and also uh, traffic and subscribers up 25.6% and uh, 12.9% year-on-year. Another positive or modest positive uh, was that information technology, uh, mainly that's that BCX business, Mm. which Telcom acquired, uh, continues to recover, um, albeit off a a low-COVID-impacted base. Um, Management did cite... Uh, some challenging trading and economic uh, conditions that uh, that it seems to be prevailing um, in the South African market. And that's really been a common denominator of the tra- trading statements that we have seen, uh, really just management's uh, uh, citing uh, the impact of load shedding. Um, but over and above uh, the results themselves, Simon, uh, the real significant announcement uh, was around the, or came after that release, yeah. and that was uh, Telcom 
just uh, announcing uh, that uh, they will begin a formal retrenchment process that will see it lay off uh, as much as 15% of its workforce. Yeah, and a big number. But I, I take the point, fairly muted numbers, although perhaps a little better than the market was looking for. Uh, quickly touching U.S. inflation, this was for January. The market was looking for, uh, what, 6.2? It got 6.4%. It's it's moving in the right direction, I suppose we can say. It was 65 previously. That downward trend continues, albeit maybe a little slower, which is not maybe unexpected. Yes, definitely, Simon, a, a hotly anticipated print. Um, uh, yeah, we saw that come out yesterday. Um, all eyes and all our eyes were watching on, on it uh, with bated breath, as they say. I came out on Valentine's Day, so inflation <laughs> romance uh, was the title of yesterday's uh, uh, episode of the offshore markets. Um, but really, in the, in the build-up towards the release, uh, as you said, uh, kind of if we drill into it, um, the market was uh, forecasting a 0.5% rise in the month-on-month headline number. Mm. Uh, that came in in line with expectation. So in other words, rising from 0.1% in December 2022 to 0.5% in Jan 2023. Um, well, the headline uh, CPI year-on-year number that was expected to drop uh, from 6.5% in January 2022 um, to uh, 6.2% in January 2023. Instead, that headline number came in higher than expected at 6.4% uh, for Jan. Um, and now looking at the core numbers, uh, which basically strip out the volatile food and energy prices, um, the market was expecting 0.4% rise in that month-on-month number. And that, as you said, came in line with expectations, steadying at 0.4% in Jan. Um, and finally, that core number, that core CPI year-on-year number, that was expected to drop from 5.7% in Jan 2022 um, to 5.5% in Jan 2023. But instead, that core number came uh, slightly higher than expected at uh, 5.6% for Jan 2023. Uh, as you've said at the beginning of the show, Simon, on the back of that, uh, we've seen the Dow close lower, the NASDAQ close slightly higher, and the S&P uh, closed down in response to this. Um, so really what we've seen on our side, it, it's kind of on, on yesterday's trading session, uh, choppy waters, um, the market trying to find some direction uh, on the back of what was somewhat bitter yet somewhat but sweet uh, in this print. Um, I think it's very interesting if you kind of drill into it. There's a case to be made for both the bulls and the bears. <laughs> I mean, while the bulls uh, who hold the, the view that uh, inflation is coming down, uh, the print does support that. Um, and for them, the argument will now be that slowing growth or slowing global growth will put pressure on central banks to cut interest rates. Um, while at the exact same time for the bears, the print does highlight that inflation is indeed stickier and stickier than uh, what the market wants to acknowledge. Uh, so they will argue that that slowing inflation doesn't necessarily mean that we'll see uh, rate cuts anytime soon. Yeah, so I guess I, overall, uh, or the overall observation is that inflation looks to have peaked, but it's still declining uh, or isn't declining as quickly as the Fed or the market would have liked. Yeah, and I take your point there. A little bit for both the bulls and the bears, which, which I suppose is what makes the market, although it does make it a, a little more choppy. We'll leave that there. Uh, Rico Narari, uh, Portfolio Manager, Anchor. Appreciate early morning insights. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanley Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact 
at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Redwan Muller. He's head of Think Markets, uh, talking commodities. Redwan, appreciate the time today. I, I want to talk commodities with you, but before we talk the actual commodities, mining stocks. You don't like mining stocks. Hi, Simon. Yeah, and hello to everyone else. Um, yes, I hate mining stocks. I'm uh, one of those people that love to stay away from them, um, but purely just because of their volatility. It's um, just it, it's great for trading, but from an investment point of view, I've just never ever liked them. I, t- I take your point. I mean, even even in in, in the trading space, I mean th- that volatility. Whereas the actual commodity is, is is so much smoother. And 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 we talk a lot. I mean, I was chatting with someone uh, a new copper listing coming to market uh, later this month. Uh, PGMs under yep. pressure. Yeah, a, a lot of folks look at the underlying commodity and say, nope, I want the mining stock because I want that leverage. I want that volatility. For those who don't, such as you, and frankly, I'm largely in your in your camp with that. I mean, my, mining stocks can be a scary ride. I mean, there's actually a bunch oh. of options where we can go and trade the actual commodity itself with, with no overlay of mining risk and, 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 and power cuts and everything else. That's exactly it. I'd rather, you know, for me, I'd rather trade the commodity uh, or invest in the commodity itself directly, um, either through your exchange-traded notes or even directly if I'm going to do a derivative trade. But the mining companies, you know, I mean, we've seen this problem with a lot of them. I mean, take Sibania, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that company, you know, should be smiling. Uh, look at Tugela even. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all companies that should be doing very, very well when the commodity prices are going up and up and up. But their share price has been going down because of all the other problems, in you know, behind the scenes uh, with the company itself. So that's just been my thing. It's just I'd rather if I'm going to trade, if I want the gold exposure, I'd rather just go and buy gold or I'll go and trade gold. I mean, it's just, for me, I'd rather do that than actually going to the mining companies. There's yeah. just too much of a nightmare there. And, and you mentioned the ETNs. We've got a couple. We've got copper. We've got oil. Uh, what else have we got? We've got the PGMs, of course, platinum, palladium, yeah. rhodium. And then, of course, there's gold. That leaves a whole bunch out. I mean, it, and, and, and that's where perhaps it comes into the, the sort of derivative trading where, where suddenly you know, wheat is available and, and all sorts of other uh, uh, commodities. I mean, coffee, perhaps. I mean, the, the, the range becomes a whole lot wider. Yeah, um, it actually, the derivative side has got massive uh, amounts that you can actually trade in different commodities. Um, yes, your favorite coffee mm-hmm. is right there. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I mean, when, when you look at these type of commodities, I mean, coffee, for example, coffee has had a fantastic rise in, in, in its price. I mean, mm-hmm. it's gone up it's over $20 last I checked. You know, so you've seen this wonderful appreciation in their price uh, and you can benefit from that. You know, it's not a, it's, it's, it's really and truly amazing that the, the diversification of commodities, if I can put it that way, yeah. that you can actually trade in compared to, you know, what you can actually invest in and the companies out there as well. Um, um, like you're saying, I mean, would you buy Nestle? No, um, Nestle shares, because you're not just exposed into coffee, you're exposed to everything else Nestle does. I mean, so... There you go. You want coffee exposure? Go in the derivative. You can trade the coffee. Yeah, if you I want know. just gold, ETN. Um, they're the best ones.
Yeah, and Nestle makes terrible coffee anyway. But and one of the benefits of, of the actual commodities we're talking here, the ETNs are great, but of course you're then taking a dollar product and you're putting it into Zar, and, and that cuts both ways. Uh, if, if the Zar weakens, you're smiling. If it strengthens, and I've had the situation where the commodity goes up, the rand strengthens, and I, I'm going nowhere in the process. Here we're talking in the derivative space. We're actually going to be trading it in, in U.S. dollars and, and with some gearing at the same time. Yeah, so I mean, that that's the nice thing of it. So what you find is a lot of the commodity traders, believe it or not, are actually your farmers, your importers and exporters. Mm. They they really, really big in it because they're using it more for hedging purposes. So they want to hedge their prices and they so that they also know what's happening there. Um, what normally people do is if they want to hedge also, especially in the coffee, like you said, it's in dollars, what they'll do is they'll also then hedge the, the Zard Rand. Now, the nice mm. thing of the derivative is that let's say you you're looking at exporting i don't know say a say a million rand worth of coffee for arguments like just using that as an example then you don't need a million rand to hedge that you're going to be geared so you could use pretty much depending on how much of the gearing you have or leverage you have you you're looking at maybe 10 percent 20 percent that would be max that you'd be putting down to get that exposure so instead of having a million rand to go and buy that or to hedge yourself, you're using a hundred thousand rand, for example, um, and you're still getting that same exposure. So that's the nice benefit of it. But the other side of it is, remember, you also got to note that there's going to be an overnight interest rate that you're going to be paying. Uh, that's an important thing to know. Okay. Now, that overnight interest rate was fantastic when interest rates were very, very low. Um, you know, if you're in the U.S. and that there, you weren't paying much. But now you're going to pay, depending on where the exchange, I mean, where that com- uh, commodity is held, if it's U.S., then you're going to be paying a U.S. interest rate. And normally it's about plus minus, depending if you're long or short, but about plus minus 2 to 3% extra on the actual uh, prime rate or the bank rate, whatever is being used. I hadn't thought of that. Of course, it's higher interest rates. That actually that changes a whole bunch. But I, I take your point in it. Yeah. A quick last question. I mean, on, on platforms such as yours, I mean, does the next stick with, with, with coffee because it's one we're talking about? And I'm not even sure if Chicago has a coffee. But do they trade U.S. hours or could I log on at 8 o'clock in the morning when the U.S. is closed and, and, and they're trading? I imagine not weekends, but Monday to Friday. So you can trade, I mean, like coffee and all of these things here, especially in the derivative space, you mm-hmm. can trade them almost 24-7. I mean, there's obviously one, two hours where the market is closed, mm-hmm. and that's obviously for price balancing and everything else. But like with think markets, you can trade it pretty much 22 hours a day. Mm-hmm. The market is open. Um, there's always a market maker there for it, so you're getting a fair price also. But it's tradable, and that's the nice thing. Um, you literally can sit at night and say, okay, you know what, I need to do this. Coffee is definitely <laughs> going to be doing something nice. Uh, I'm getting into it. We'll leave that there. Redwan Muller, Head of Think Markets, appreciate the time. And that's our poll today on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter around commodities, miners versus commodities. Red one very much in the commodity-only space. I'm a, a little bit of both, uh, truthfully, although I do like the trade on commodities. You get good trends there. Yeah, have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager.
MoneyWeb now on the money. Joining now with uh, Milani Manuluke, Senior Economist at uh, ABSA. Milani, appreciate the early morning. A recent note put out by yourself and your team, GDP forecast for South Africa. You're actually now looking for a negative uh, fourth quarter for last year and then uh, again negative for for first quarter of this year. A technical recession, uh, in other words, for our economy. I imagine in large part thanks to, to load shedding. That's absolutely right, Simon. So for the fourth quarter of 2022, we firstly have seen um, enough high-frequency data that comes from that day. So for instance, just last week we saw uh, mining numbers, we've seen manufacturing numbers. Uh, and if you look at Q4 overall, those two very important sectors with strong linkages across the rest of the economy, those were down. So we, we think Q4 is likely to come out um, uh, as a minus 0.5 on the quarter and quarter basis. Mm-hmm. And then coming into this year, I think, you know, even the most bearish forecaster really could not have anticipated the sharp escalation um, in load shedding that we, we, we have seen, which is, of course, now uh, even more persistent than any at that time that we, we've seen. Now more than 100 straight days. Uh, of load shedding, it is causing significant amount of disruptions, uh, particularly for smaller businesses who are struggling with the cost of diesel or even the cost of buying backup uh, generation to, to begin with. So our baseline view is that we'll probably see uh, a contraction as well um, in this quarter. I think whether the situation improves or not, Simon, going uh, over the rest of the year, is going to depend, I think, on how much... Uh, of, of the plan from the National Energy Crisis Committee actually mm. start uh, to, to deliver. But I think overall, this is going to be a very difficult growth year for South Africa. Yeah, I, I take a point. I mean, it, even if things start to get sort of improved on the electricity front, it's going to be a tough year. Uh, touching on inflation, we've got uh, numbers out from Stats SA uh, later this morning. The market seems to be looking for for an improvement, although still above the range. But you have the view that probably inflation has has peaked, and that in fact uh, even rate increases have peaked, and we might see rates down late this year. Yeah, well, you know, we, we think that's where the bit of good news may be in the SA macro story for this year. I, I think if you, you, you reflect more, more broadly, Simon, mm. to think about this sort of experience over the last 18 months, one thing that's been really interesting to us is that even though we, we've had the same kind of shocks as the rest of the world, you know, supply chain constraints, higher commodity prices, the one thing that we didn't see uh, manifest as badly here in South Africa is the generation of second-round effects. So in other words, you mm-hmm. didn't see those price shocks uh, propagating as strongly as what you saw in the U.S., which is why for some period of time last year, you actually had U.S. inflation running higher than South Africa's inflation. So so we have picked, of course, we've been coming down. Uh, we're at 17.8 July, 17.2 by December. We think the number that's going to come out uh, for January is going to print about six, um, 6.7%. Uh, and we expect inflation should be back within target um, by May this year, and we expect an average of about 5.5% for the year as, as a whole. Now, I should mention, again, I think related to load shading, that there is, um, there is an upside risk here that we need to be mindful of. There are lots of businesses that are spending big amounts of money uh, on diesel, uh, just to mm-hmm. keep uh, just to keep operating, it's eating into their margin, and the risk the risk is that they may want to 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 close that back. 
But I think if, if inflation continues on the trajectory that we, we believe is likely to continue on, it's also kind of broadly consistent with the Fed's views as well. We are of the view that this hiking cycle may, may have topped out uh, and the scope may open up for a little bit of easing uh, later on in the year. Yeah, that, that, that is some good news after what has been a, a really tough period. But I really like your point around second round, uh, round impact. So we, we didn't see it, and, and that is significant. We'll leave it there. Milani Moralekka, Senior Economist, ABSA. Appreciate the early morning insight. That's it for today. Yesterday we were chatting with Kamal Mepawani, uh, results from a Tatal. Margins were getting squeezed, and we asked if you were still doing some DIY at home. Uh, half of you said you couldn't afford to. A third was saying you were all done. The rest were saying you're renting, so it's not possible. And many of you pointed out that I forgot the fourth option, which was, yeah, you're still busy DIYing. That's totally on me. Sometimes an early morning brain hasn't had enough coffee. Uh, have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Contrarian questions to ask as an investor. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.